This podcast contains discussions about mental health and may contain discussions about suicide and self-harm. If you or somebody that you know is experiencing distress or is in immediate danger, dial triple O or call Lifeline on 131114 or Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. Also, if you believe that someone you love is experiencing a mental health issue, please encourage them to go and talk to their GP as soon as possible. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, hello folks, welcome to the latest episode of How You Going Mate, the podcast. Adam's my name and my super special guest in the house of mate here tonight. <laughs> Don't roll your Again. eyes at me. Again, uh, the uh, the ice. We'll call these the isolation. I think you're going to say the ice queen. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> well, you know, we do, I do get a frosty reception every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, the isolation edition. It's uh, the one and only uh, Mrs. Mate, <laughs> <laughs> Barbie Lee. That's me, Barbie Lee. How you going, mate? Well, thank you. Well, that's good. That's good. You're lucky you missed the singing he was doing just a moment ago. Oh, just a little bit of warm up for the voice. Uh-huh. <clears throat> not the voice. I'm not said, on the now voice. you got a cough, so you didn't warm it yes, up that well. It's the COVID edition. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, let's hope not. So we last week, or oh, sorry, on Monday, on a on the um, the Monday walk thing that we do, the Monday mindset on our social media pages. I talked about momentum and one of the challenges coming into this isolation period for me was um, I was in the middle of a bit of a weight loss bed. journey. Bed. <laughs> journey. Yes, that's right. I was on a I was on a show, I was on a reality show talking about my journey, how much I'd learned about myself. Um actually <laughs> but but the truth of it is uh, I was on um a little bit of a mission prior to isolation. And uh, I think it's fair to say, if I'm being really honest with myself, I think it's fair to say that uh, my my mental health crutch is food. Probably yours as well, to be truthful, honestly. Mm-hmm. To a lesser extent, but yes, yeah. I would agree. <laughs> I've got 38 empty bags of cheesels that would argue that point with you. <laughs> We'll go down the cheesels aisle again. Oh, yeah. Now, you spend enough time in the cheesels aisle. We don't need to spend any more time in the cheesels aisle. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, and and look, in the early stages of this, there was that opportunity to kind of still be walking every morning and, and then doing something in the afternoon. Um, that quickly turned into, for me, and this is, I'm just being really honest, quickly turned into afternoon walks because, like, just the mornings, I didn't have to anymore i could i had the time in the afternoon to go walking and in the last few weeks i mean to you know we have had some some poor weather it's been raining and whatever else but in the last couple of weeks definitely it's been pretty intermittent for me i haven't been out walking as much as i have been and i mentioned it the other day about momentum and momentum is something i think a lot of people confuse motivation with momentum um but we then started to talk about and we thought about this tonight. We started to talk about because we talked to a couple of people, and I, I've certainly had a few conversations with people around um, weight and mental health and 
how hard it is to stay in that mindset of losing weight, but also how much your weight is tied in with your mental health and your mental health is tied in with your weight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. I'm just trying to see which way That's, you're going to go. Well, no. Well, <laughs> feel free to climb in at any time. That's the <laughs> point of a podcast. <laughs> we haven't got cameras set up yet, so the people That's can't see us. Correct. Yeah. So um, I guess this episode, what we want to sort of focus on, and, and it's also a, based a little bit on one of our followers, and I'm not going to out them. You? No, messaging me during the week and actually oh. saying um, that they're looking at having the, the, the gastric sleeving weight loss surgery uh, because so much of their mental health is related to their weight mm-hmm. and um, this was a, a final option for this person. And Nathan, who we've had early on the, on the podcast, he's, he's spoken about it. Um, he's had... Um, the surgery and lost over 60 kilos looks phenomenal just looks amazing for having done it but it is really intriguing to me um, how much of our mental health and and particularly how much of our poor mental health is contributes to weight gain or weight loss in some instances but then on the flip side of that and this is a vicious cycle part of this is that how much of that weight gain or weight loss then actually, like you know, causes that meant like it, you know, y- mm. y- you know what I mean. It's in a cycle, so yeah. so it just you know one you, creates the other, then that creates the other. So it's just never ending. I guess what I'm trying to say is you have that period of poor mental health, and if you're like me, you eat and you gain weight, but then the more weight you gain, the worse your mental health gets, and the worse your mental health gets, guess what? The more you eat. Does that make sense? And at the same time, like the the avenue that I was thinking of going down, also like for yourself, like you you talk about losing momentum and and things like that. But yeah. um, you know, you've always been a bigger guy for the most part of your life. Yeah, and it becomes who you are. It becomes part of your personality, mm-hmm. or it becomes part of how you are identified. And not so much necessarily by how other people might identify you, but it's how you identify yourself. Hmm. And, um, you know, people call you big ads and, mm-hmm. and that's the the label that you put on yourself as big hmm. ads and this hmm. is who I am. Um, but I remember when you and I first met, hmm. you, you know, as part of your repertoire of jokes and how to be funny you were always referring to how big you were and how yeah. fat you were and and you're the fat guy and you're the big guy and I you're still the do this it. and you're the I that still do it. And that's right and and so so to i don't know it's like it's to cover up or to you know this is this is this is how i am so i'm going this it's going to be all of me mm. You know, even though in that time, like in the time we've been together, you know, you have, you've gone through a period of losing a hell of a lot of weight and that changed your mental health as well. Mm. Um, but going back to what I was saying was when I first met you and we were talking on the phone and things like that and 
I know you and I had met at this stage and we're talking you were talking to me about how fat you were and I all I could think of like I knew you were tall and you were you were a bigger, stronger build of a person. But I was like, He's fat? I don't know. I didn't notice that he was fat. He keeps going on about how fat he is. And um yeah, so what and it's I mean, yeah, people can see that you're a big guy, but mm. they don't necessarily look at that and go, Geez, you're fat, you mm. know. But then over time, you know, you've turned, as you say, like if you've had difficult periods of your life and things, it can mm-hmm. it can create that, you know, heavier weight for you. Yeah. <laughs> trying to be, trying to be. Nice. You try to be really good. You kind of, you kind of are, but you are. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you're digging in a little bit. I but. just think I think I said something very nice to you just be, just now. Oh, you did. Yeah, you can't even remember not, what it is. Nicest thing you've said to me in months. You'll have to listen back to it. No, you. I do know what you said. You said that you used to. I used to talk about how fat I was. And you think? No, I don't think you are. That yes. was a nice part. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, mm. yeah it's interesting. Sorry, I'm just not used to hearing nice things. Oh, <laughs> um, look, I, I think there's a few things in what you say there. The 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 big ads. It's interesting. The big ads persona probably appeared. In my early to mid twenties, I'd suggest, um, and and in part the nickname actually came from <clears throat> um, uh, when I played rugby, because there was in a in one of the teams I played in for a period of time there were four Adams in the team out of a fifteen man team there was four of us quarter of the team was named Adam, and there was myself, um, there was uh, big ads little ads. Uh, Barnsey and Kostya, and Big Ads was me. Um, little Ads was another Adam who actually wasn't that much smaller than me. He was about the same size, but he was younger, so he got Little Ads um, or Young Ads actually. Um, and then Barnsey was obviously his last name was Barnes, and then Kostya he looked like Kostya. Confidentiality is <laughs> great, mate. <laughs> I'm not talking about anything. That needs to be protected, but um. So I got that big ads moniker then, but the the actual moniker goes back a long, long way. And I've said this a few times to a few different people, and and I know what you're saying, and I appreciate it. But th- for me, I was never the best looking dude in the room. Like I was never the guy that I walked into a room and women went, oh, you know. Well, there's a lot of guys that aren't that guy. Well, I know I I appreciate you know what <laughs> I appreciate that, but the thing with this is it's it's a situation where I then became the loudest guy in the room and the funniest guy in the room, and so those two personas kind of mesh together the the guy that needed to be you know the center of attention, the funny guy, the the joke of the clown, and then big ads kind of became that same person, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I almost created that persona for myself. Yeah, so I think um, I think those two personas kind of merged into each other. And I think you're right. I think after a while, I, I actually made the joke the other day. Um, I was on a on a web meeting, on a Zoom meeting, and <clears throat> somebody asked me because I had a shirt on on top. Somebody asked me, "What are you wearing underneath?" What are you wearing? <laughs> what are you wearing underneath? Well, oh my know. goodness! What sort of Zoom meetings well, are you the- going to? <laughs> 
<laughs> the bet was apparently a group. Underneath? Apparently, the group I was speaking to were having bets that I was wearing slippers, and I confirmed the bet oh, for them. Oh, and I, so I had a pair of Batman slippers on. And then they said, are you, what are, you, are you wearing like proper pants or are you wearing shorts? And I was wearing shorts. And then they asked me, they're like, aren't you cold? It's freezing. What are you wearing shorts for? It's the middle of winter. And um, my, my response to that, as it always is, is I'm fat and I'm hairy. It basically means I'm a polar bear. Hmm. And I don't feel the cold. And I'm wearing shorts now. <laughs> but see, part of you... Addressing that, so you're saying oh, I'm fat and I'm hairy and I'm this mm-hmm. and I'm that and I'm this and I'm that. That's your way of not covering up who you are, but but I call it a preemptive strike. You, you get it in before anyone else can. Hmm. I think you, you learn when you, and I think there'll be a lot of people out there that will relate to this. I think you learn when you are not entirely happy with who you are as a person physically and maybe even emotionally as well you learn to kind of point it out before other people get a chance to but make a joke out of it before other people get a chance to and in that way it kind of diffuses the situation it disarms that person they can't then use that against you if you're joking about it yourself they can't they can't do that right um yeah so you then kind of you then kind of um and you also the other thing is as well for me and and this happened i guess with people that I dated, it was about almost about lowering the expectation a little bit. Not me. Oh, did you try and lower my expectation? Well, yeah, absolutely. It was like I'm, you know, I'm I'm a big guy. I'm this. I'm that. I didn't, you know, you weren't getting Brad Pitt. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> you, you 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 know you know that, that, that was the plan. You don't wake. No, you failed miserably. <laughs> but that dude, you know what I mean. Like, and so it's almost about saying to them, "Okay, this is what you're getting. I I want you to be really clear with that." And then you know, then when it, you get it, you kind of go, "Okay, cool. I got exactly what he told me I was going to get." But see, know. unbeknownst to you, when you were saying that to me, I'm thinking, "Oh." Shit, I didn't think he was fat, really. Like he was tall and he was big, bigger, but not. Oh, okay. Mm. When I met you, I was sitting at about one twenty, one twenty-five. Okay, which is big in most. Well, most according to according to the BMI charts, I was um, legally dead. Jeez. There's a there's fat, there's obese, there's morbidly obese, and then there is how are you still walking around? That's the that's the measurement I was at, and and look, still am to be perfectly honest, but mm. you know, up in that range. So, so yeah, it's it's. I think it's about the the funny thing about this is, um, I've read some research in the last couple of months, in and around. I heard I heard about a really interesting study where. They got a group of people who were all overweight and they put them on a really strict, really controlled diet, um, used a lot of vitamin and mineral supplements with them, basically minimum food. And the people lost a lot of weight, like a lot of weight. And they had great success with this, right? Um, then what they looked at was they they sort of looked at, okay, well, we've had this success. And they, they monitored, continued to monitor the people over a period of time. And one of the participants in the study, who they call Susan in the study, one of the participants in the study, they they sent her out into the world, you know, she's lost all this weight, everything's good. And then as they were monitoring her, they started to see that she started to gain weight again, like really significantly gain weight. 
and they were sort of yeah they they I guess they they would expect that because you know they're now going to go back to eating proper food and and you know that some weight gains can happen but this woman basically got back to the weight that she was at and they looked then at the psychological part of her weight gain and what that meant for her and they sort of talked to her about when she started to gain weight and they said to her well you know what was the what was the point for you when did you start and she said I was you know probably about 9 or 10 right and so a little bit more examination and a little bit more sort of, you know, questioning. And they realised that at the time, at, when she was a child, she had actually been, you know, sexually assaulted. And so for her, the weight gain was associated with that trauma, right? And she actually said in her, and in the study that I read, she actually said in that, that study that, um, you know, she had used her weight as a shield, you know, if she was bigger, men wouldn't be attracted to her. What actually happened was is she lost a lot of weight and looked fantastic, went into a bar and a man hit on her in a bar, right? Nothing nothing untoward and didn't, you know, do anything bad to her. But that triggered her. That that was such a confronting thing for her to happen because she'd spent all of her life specifically avoiding hiding. that and hiding. Yeah. Mm. And so she got to a point where then she she got to a point where she started to put the weight back on. And so what they looked at was understanding that the, the weight gain that she had or the weight that she was wasn't purely, oh, you know, she's fat, she's this, she's that, she's like, like any of the things that we, you know, we, we see a fat person and we were talking about this earlier and we kind of assign a certain, you know, we, we make some assumptions about the person, oh, they eat really poorly or they don't exercise or they're lazy or whatever. Um, and for her in this study, it was certainly around the trauma that she felt around her weight, uh, around her body image and or, or the trauma that she'd experienced and then how that associated to her body image. And and the quote that they, they, they say in the thing is, you know, she gained weight because being overweight meant she was overlooked. People weren't interested in picking her up. So she could avoid that situation. She could avoid being intimate with a man and then reliving that trauma of being, you know, sexually assaulted as a child. Mm. And so, you know, it's it's sort of... It's it's recognizing and and we watched and we've only watched it once because I wasn't a fan of it. But we watched that show at my six hundred pound life on oh, yes. on the cable channel. Yes. And and look, that's a whole other extreme. Well, that that's a, there's a little bit of um, there's a little bit of caricature about that show. But there is one thing in there that I found really interesting, where part of what they did with the and we've only watched one episode, so I don't know if this is a common thing for them to do. But I understand that it does happen regularly that they sent the person to a psychologist to try and understand their weight and why they ate why they overate um so for me i I think um some of it is about um i guess your mindset and the things that happen in your life like i think like any addiction or any thing that you do that is overcompensating it is about well what's happened in your life that makes you you know like the, the, the alcoholic drinks to kind of perhaps dull the anxiety response or as a response to the trauma or, or whatever they do to try and numb the person. You know, the, the gym person goes to the gym to try and manage his mental health or her mental health by working out. You know, well, the person that eats, eats. Because it feels good to eat. Like, let's be honest, chocolate's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, when you eat it, you go, it feels amazing. But also, I think exploring that idea that there's something that happens in your life. And for me... Eating and weight gain is one of the range of responses that you could have to that trauma if you haven't properly processed, or not not even trauma, but the events that have happened in your life if you don't properly process them and understand them. Mm. 
Well, for me, like obviously, I'm a taller person. I'm a bigger frame to most of my friends. <laughs> um, yep. Or have been over the years. Yeah. And I know that my weight has fluctuated from, you know, normal range to a bit heavy to a lot heavy to, you know, back to normal again and mm. up and down yeah. based on my height and all that sort of stuff. But um, any time that I've gained weight over the years, I look back on and, you know, times when I've been really unhappy and times that I've been, you know, under pressure or um, suffering from some sort of depression or, you know, anxiety yeah. situation is when the major- the major- where the majority of my weight issues come from. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, because sometimes when you're in that state, really the only thing that you've got to look forward to is eating something that you really enjoy mm. and you want to keep eating that because that's really probably the only thing that you're enjoying at the moment. Mm. And so, you know, and I look back over the time and different parts of my life where I've been bigger than I should have been or could have been. Um, And then there's other times where I haven't been that big, Mm. but I've still been told that I'm too big and I need to not eat this and not eat Mm. that. And one of the biggest... things or one of the biggest issues that I found you know the more the more someone would say to me oh you shouldn't be eating that or you know it's not going to it's not going to make you turn around and go oh okay well I'll put it down then Hmm. and it's going to make you want to eat it more if anything and you're going to have more of it because this person screw you I'll eat what I want this person well it's not even that it's just just if you if you're being if you feel like you're being watched about what, you know in regards to what you're putting in your mouth or something you just you're just going to keep doing it mm. you know because it, it i think i think you'll actually become no i think you'll i think you you become a little bit rebellious against it like i think as humans a lot of what there's a lot of times where we're told not to do stuff that will do because we're told not to do it mm. and I, I do think an element but also I think you then actually then start to hide it like any like I, I liken it to addiction I, I'm going to kind of put it in the same realm as addiction and I know you know I'm not a professor or a doctor or anything like that I'm certainly not going to sit here and say that this is a proper diagnosis but this is my kind of theory on this and my idea on this is that it is like any addiction right because um there is plenty of evidence to suggest think about the reward center in your brain you know there's the, the little space in your brain that lights up when it when you win when things are good when things are happy um and certain things light that thing up you know um the, for the for the gambler it's the win on the pokies or the win on the horses um for the for the drug addict it's you know there is evidence that says that shows that sugar has a similar effect on the reward center that cocaine does Right, so you know if your food drug of choice is chocolate, you are just smashing your brain with sugar, and your brain is lighting up. The reward center in your brain is lighting up in the same way that it does for cocaine or for the the gambler that has a win or whatever that looks like. 
Um, <clears throat> so my, my kind of idea is is that you, there's an addiction element to what you're doing, or what, and I'm not you particularly like me. I'm the same. Where that sugar hit that you get, that feels good. That actually shoots out all of those happy chemicals, you know, the the dopamines and the cortisols and all those sorts of things that go, oh, okay, now I feel good about things. And mm. my other theory as well, and so I think like any addict, you know, you then sit there and go, well, well right, I, I need to actually, if I'm going to get judged on this, I, I need to actually, I need to hide this away a little bit. I need to take this underground and, you know, not like... You know, you, you and I have both had times where we've found, you know, empty chocolate packets in each other's cars, <laughs> you know, or, you know, there's, uh, you know, the, the old idea it's that... just because I've eaten it on the way home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After work on your way home to have dinner. <laughs> How many times as a child did you hear the expression, don't eat before dinner, you'll spoil your dinner, you'll spoil your appetite. Um so it's it's I, I think it's that kind of thing. Like I think there's an addictive element to that, and, a, and an addiction element to it, where we we eat to you know satisfy, make ourselves feel good. That's my theory. It's, it's true. Yeah. It could be true. The what the point I was going to make <laughs> was that you know talking about what other you know listening to what other people around you are saying, mm-hmm. and you know I was never. I don't believe I was ever looked at and gone, oh, you know, that she's a fatty or anything. It was not. No. That's not how I was. But I was. There was a period in late 2013 you were pretty big. Because <laughs> I was pregnant. Okay. All <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've always had a, had the metabolism that if I don't watch myself, I could really. Yeah, me too. Really blow out. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is. It's something that, you know, I've always had to think about and worry about, whereas other people that you know, they can just eat whatever and it never, yeah. never is an issue for them. I hate those people. We don't hate anybody. No, we don't. Because obviously they, ha- you know, they might have things that they wish they were more like us as well. Mm. So what I was going to say is if you're going to make a decision to change that, it has to come from yourself. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how many times somebody says, oh, you need to go join a gym. Oh, you need to stop putting that in your mouth. Oh, you need to stop eating that. Oh, you got to stop doing this. doesn't matter how many times they say that. It's not, That's only making it worse for you. Hmm. That's only making you want to go and eat more of it and do more of what you possibly shouldn't be doing. My, my theory is in, in the second part, of this whole thing as well. We talk about reward centers. My theory is, and it's kind of based loosely around a, the a gestalt kind of idea that there's a sort of a cycle of behavior, gestalt cycle. Um, and so I, I think drilling down on what you're saying then, I think part of the reason is, is you have to explore and understand then why you're gaining weight and why food is such a, a crutch for you why you need to have food right now this is certainly something i apply to myself right um my my idea when you're saying you you're not referring to me no no not specifically saying you i'm saying you as in the 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 general you as in people right and again i could be wrong with this i think maybe some people are just big big people um we're certainly probably having a generation of people now that are eating far more 
processed and, and high sugar foods than any generation has ever eaten and, and they're just growing up and they're just bigger. Bigger. And then of course there are people out there that have genuine medical conditions whose bodies produce the hormones the the appetite hormones differently and they're eating bigger. But I think it's behavioural. Um I, you know, I've come from a working industry I work in, I come from a behavioural support background. And the truth of it is is nothing happens without a reason, you know. Behaviours don't just occur randomly. You don't do things for no reason. There's always a reason. So, like, for me, um, you know, I've spoken a little bit about this in the past, and this is certainly not certainly not putting anyone down or anything like that, but coming from a, a single-parent family, living with just mum growing up, very early on I was aware that I was the man of the house, and I was referred to that a lot. You know, you're the man of the house. So when I started to become bigger and, and manly, I learned 13, 14, 15, when I started to get that size and that bulk about me, I really, I really zeroed in on that. Like I really connected with Wanted that to build that. More and more. Yeah, and the people that I admired, the men that I admired in my life growing up, particularly my grandfather. Like I saw him as a giant when I was a little boy. My grandfather was a giant to me. Now he was a, about six foot tall, a little bit shorter towards the end because you, you shrink as you get older. So he's about five ten, five eleven towards the end. And he was a hundred and between a hundred and five and one hundred and fifteen kilos most of the time. I you know I can I'm aware of him. So, but he was a giant of a man when I was younger, and I can still remember really clearly um, looking at a photo of myself at about nineteen years of age, and I was taller and I was bigger, and I couldn't believe it. Like I never, you know, when you you don't really have that perception of how what size you are, and then you see a photo and you go, wow, like I never saw myself as bigger than my pa, but I was bigger than him. And I was amazed at that. But I didn't, even as a man standing next to him, even at that point, I didn't actually look at him and go, I'm as big as Pa now. Hmm. Like I didn't, I always saw him as being this big mountain of a man and I didn't see myself as being the same size. So um, it was certainly a a real revelation. But I, I, looking at my life, I kind of understand that for me, the size was related to that that need to kind of be big because it was me and mum. There wasn't a second person around. And and that's kind of what I think it was growing up. The other part of that is, though, and I think, you know, again, there's a little... Uh, this is where the gestalt stuff comes in and the very basic understanding. I know there's people out there maybe listening to this and understand this far better than I do, but the idea is is uh, when you have a need that want, you want satisfied, for example, you want to get a hug from somebody... And they reject you. You don't get that hug. Well, you go, oh, I need to do something to feel good now. And you go and eat a piece of chocolate. Or you go and do whatever it is that you do. So every time you get the rejection, you get, rather than, this is how you process it now. You go for the the, the piece of chocolate or the beer or whatever it is that you, know, you do to manage mm. that thing. My theory is, is eventually you just stop going for the hug because you know you're not going to get it. So just go just straight to the chocolate. Straight, yeah. Because again, you know it's going to make you feel good. You know, alcohol and, and, and drugs also about shutting down your anxiety response, um, which I think is one of the major factors in poor mental health, that, that constantly active anxiety and stress response. But to me, it's about, you know, I, I, if... If I know that I'm not going to get that need fulfilled, whatever the need is, it could be anything. If I know I'm not going to get it fulfilled, 
or I don't get it fulfilled, I'm going to go to the thing that actually does fulfill it. Does fulfill it, makes me feel good, fires off the reward center in my brain. And that becomes food or, like I said, drugs, alcohol, sex, exercise, whatever it is, whatever your, whatever your particular predilection is, you, that's where you go to. And I think, you know, so many of us, so much of going back to what you said about it is not enough for someone to say, don't do that, don't do this, don't do this. Like people talk about motivation to lose weight. I've got a, I'm 44 and I've got a six-year-old child. I want to watch her grow up. I want to be there when she is my age. You know, when she's my age, I'm going to be, you know, what is it, 70, 82 or something like that. Bloody hell. Yeah, isn't that horrible? You know, but I want to be there when she's my age. I want to be 82 and I want to watch her, mm. be a, you know, be a, be a mum and be alive. Um, <clears throat> you know, I've got all the motivation I need. Mm. But in, I, I honestly believe unless you understand why you are, how big you are, why you eat, why you gain weight, why you do anything, uh, unless you relate to that behaviour, people can say, Oh, don't do that. You could do this. Oh, if you just did a bit of exercise, none of it will matter yeah. until you actually go, you know. But you going back to the momentum for you, I mean, you you had the switch flick over and go, right, I'm going to do this. And for six months straight, every morning you got up and went for a walk and it was yeah. really making a difference. Yeah. And then recently the momentum's kind of wa- wavered really a little. A, really only the last month mm. that the momentum's really shifted significantly. Mm. So you're now in a position where you're going, okay, well, I need to get back to where I was mm. to build up that momentum once again. Yeah. And like you say, it's not because you're not motivated to do it, because you know... I've got all the motivation in the world. Yeah. You need to do. It's it's a matter of just building that momentum up again and getting that happening. Mm. And it could be, you know, a change in the lifestyle that we're, that we're living. You know, we're about to go yeah. from being in the the in-house isolation of of the freedom of not having to be anywhere or do anything to now we're going to have to go back to regimented days and and set things and and schedules and all of that so that may just that shift alone may then kickstart your your momentum to get back to where you were before yeah and and that's been I think look I imagine that's a lot of people have struggled with this you know um, certain areas of my life I've been very disciplined in and you know work and workload and things like that you know, I'm still continuing to produce the way I was before and I'm producing it the quality I was producing it before I'm actually probably a little bit more switched on in terms of workload than I was hmm. um, but um, certainly. Um, other areas like you know it's it's too easy to just walk out and walk into the kitchen like it, as you say at work for example you know if I want to eat anything other than what I have there to eat I have to actually do I have, like I've got to walk out of the building I've got to walk across the road I've really got to work a little bit harder to do that here I've I walk about eight meters from you know <laughs> from the garage to the to the kitchen you know, mm-hmm. the pantry's full. There's always food in there. It doesn't. It's easy. I'll just have a bit of this, and then I'll come back and have a bit of that. Yeah, I just have a little I'll packet do. of chips, or I will make a sandwich, or I have a bowl of whatever. You know, like it's just there, and it's or too a easy pie. to do. Or two pies. Oh, <laughs> but, goodness! Listen, you've got to have a chicken and a beef pie because you, no, you have you to have variety. You no, do. You do not absolutely do. 
so you do not. And I think also we need to make the point, I mean, we were talking about weight gain because that's something that we are always having to deal with. Um, But we also should make the point about people can have great weight losses, like they can Mm. lose weight as a result of their Mm -hmm. uh, mental health situation as well. Um, And I know I was talking to you about this earlier today and probably in my adult life, there was a period of time, probably around 28, 29, where I was in the best shape that I could possibly be and I'd lost about, oh, I don't know, ten, over 10 kilos, 10 to 15 kilos and I was like, wow, you know, this is amazing. I haven't been like this since I was about 17 or 18. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason that I had lost all that weight was because I was in a very bad Clayton's relationship, one of the you know the relationship you have mm. when you're not really having a relationship. Yep. And I was under a huge amount of stress and pressure constantly and I found that I was in a in a really an unhealthy situation where I was not eating. Mm. And so in a matter of 2 months I dropped over 10 kilos. Yeah. Not in a healthy way at all. Now at the end of it I had I was you know fitting into all these clothes that I hadn't fit into for for years and I was looking the best I was I was ever looking but I got that way through a huge amount of depression and stress and and pressure that you know I shouldn't have actually had to go through mm. yeah. so and that's that can happen to a lot of people if they go through some sort of trauma or they've got some a bad situation in their life, they can drop weight as well to a, yeah. an unhealthy range. If you look at the, um, if you look at the sort of the signs of that someone is experiencing poor mental health, the things to look for, <clears throat> and you look for things like risk-taking behaviours, drug and alcohol use, and things like that. Um, you'll look for, you know, one the one I always, I really. Um, bang on about is isolation I think it's one of the things we really do to ourselves but uh, changes in appetite and changes in weight both increased and decrease are absolutely signs of um, definitely poor mental health and potentially even a poor mental mental health condition Mm. Um, so in in the sort of I guess the spirit of what we do here at How You Going Mate you know if you've got a friend out there who has all of a sudden lost a lot of weight and looks amazing um, they may just, you know, you, you, hey, what's going on with you? You lost a lot of weight, and it might just be a genuine. You know what? I've tried. I've made a decision to improve my life and eat better and exercise, and I'm losing weight. Mm. But um, you know, if you're not satisfied with that answer, dig a little bit deeper. You know, how is things? How's work? How's their relationship? You know, what's happening for them? Are they actually? you know, losing weight. Are they doing something? Because I remember feeling really happy about it. I was like, oh, this is a nice little byproduct of what I've just been <laughs> feeling going. Feeling really shit. Going, yeah, that's right. But, you know, I had to go, I was. I had been through a very, very tough time to get there. Uh, to get well, to the, the, a similar thing, the smallest I've been in the last 15 years is when, um, uh, when I went through... You know, separation, divorce from, you know, the what we like to refer to as the rehearsal marriage. 
<laughs> from you know the from yeah the practice marriage but the from the from our fir- from my first marriage you know from my ex-wife it was um you know i dropped probably about a similar amount of weight probably about eight to ten kilos in a fairly yeah. quick period of time yeah. and was sitting at about 106 and you know really quite you know as same fitting into pants that i hadn't fit into for a while fitting into shirts that i hadn't fit into for a while or i was you know fitting better into shirts and um but i was i was had lost a lot of weight because i just wasn't eating because i was desperately unhappy you know and depressed Mm. and that's that's what happens you know Mm. (laughs) similarly for me though my mother's always said that she could tell when i was in love because i wouldn't eat either Mm. you know i'd go like um she'd be like oh you you staying for dinner no 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 i'm not hungry i'm gonna go out okay (laughs) you've got a girlfriend (laughs) okay you you've you've lost your mind (laughs) again (laughs) but um yeah and i guess that's the thing like and for you and that example you're talking about and for people listening to that um, it's a, about exploring what part of that made you lose weight. But understanding, even as you say, within yourself, it sounds like you had the insight to kind of go, I know I'm losing weight because I'm in this bad situation. Mm. But the you funny know? thing, you know, can you even look at the language, the different types of language that the general population uses? Mm. And so you're looking at two different people who are both going through depression for some reason or some sort of trauma that's happening in their life. Yeah. And one of them is gaining weight mm-hmm. and, and you know, putting on pounds after pounds after pounds or kilos after kilos. Yeah, I was going to say, kilos. Kilos is our thing. Yeah. Um, Matrix system. You know, <laughs> putting on all, this, all these kilos. Mm-hmm. And you look at them and you go, oh, jeez, they've put on weight, haven't they? Jeez, they've let themselves go. Jeez. And then you've got a person in a similar situation who's losing weight for the same reason. And it's, oh, you look amazing. Yeah. So it's really interesting the difference in the the language that we use and the the way that people are perceived Mm -hmm. on either side. When they've actually been going through a, some type of trauma that has led them to either yeah. gaining weight or losing weight. Yeah. And this is where I think we have a lot of issues. And I know I've had a lot of issues through my life because, you know, being fat or gaining weight has always been linked to being ugly or being something hmm. something wrong with you or, hmm. you know... And so it was something that you go, oh, well, you can't, you can't put on, you shouldn't be doing, you shouldn't be putting on weight because, yeah. you know, you, then you'll look, you, you, it's the way you won't look any good. Yeah. Um, whereas now I think that as a society, if we're changing our, the way we're talking to our kids and talking to ourselves mm. about it and saying, well, we, lo- we need to lose weight. Or we need to maintain a healthy weight so that we can be strong and we can be fit and mm. we can be healthy and you know and it's not linked to oh you look terrible or you look great or you look mm. you look like you you know we've had discussions in the past about weight and weight loss and and how we think the people around us perceive our weight um, and I've said to you a few times. 
I don't actually care what people think of my weight. Like, I don't care necessarily if someone looks at me and says, well, look at him, he's a fat heap. You know, or look at him, he's enormous. I don't, that doesn't... I don't... I don't... I don't have a level of vanity in me that sort of says, you know, you can judge me on how I look. That's what my self-worth and, and how I want to be judged is based on. Um, but I'm... In terms of the last little part of what you said there, that's probably more where I sit. It is about the fact that I'm fully aware of the fact that at some point my health is going to be massively... It's not. And this is the problem for me. I'm not, you know. Um, I'm Your not, health I'm, isn't being affected. Well, I'm not the fittest man in the planet. I can't run around the block or anything like that. But I don't have diabetes. I don't have major problems, you know, associated with... Like I don't have any of that stuff. I don't. I don't. I don't. I can walk fine. I can move around. I don't have massive issues. Pick things up strong. Yeah, all of that sort of stuff. I don't have like you know, oh, I've got blood clots because of this and that. I don't have to take medication for it. None of that sort of stuff. It hasn't really massively impacted on my health, other than the fact that I'm just unfit, right? But you can be skinny and be unfit. That's that's neither here nor there. You can be skinny and not be able to run around a block. But it has, you know, it will. Like heart disease and diabetes and all those things are, are inevitable if I continue to be this size. And as I get older, my body is just going to become less resilient to that. So for me now, and as I said earlier on, I, I've got children that I want to watch grow up. Like I want to be at their wedding. So, you know, for me, but also for me, I'm also linking it so... In that six-month period, in the last probably six or eight months for me, I've so understood how much of your mental health is connected to... And, you know, I joked before about, you know, journeys and weight loss shows and reality TV. But I started to understand that when I got up in the morning and exercised, I felt like I'd achieved. Mm. I felt like I'd done something with my day already. I felt like I'd already done something. And there's that saying, you know, win the morning, win the day. You know, I'd won the morning. I'd got up, I'd done something, I'd got up before everyone else had got up and walked around and I'd had this achievement already. And in terms of momentum, that started that ball rolling really, really well. Mm. Um, And I also got to the point where I needed it. I also understand how important it is to just have that half an hour to myself. It's almost meditative. You can put your music on, you can put your podcasts on or whatever and you can just pay attention to that for half an hour. You can block out the world. It's almost like a, a mindfulness practice where you just focus on whatever you're doing in that half an hour. So I also now start to understand how important it is my mental health. And then also burning the stress chemicals and you know moving my body. And, and we know how essential moving your body and being outside and exercising is to mental health. So I started to see that roll-on effect. So now when I think about, you know, exercise and movement and weight loss i don't think i don't care what you think of i don't care what people think of me in terms of i don't care if necessarily people look at me and go, oh my god look at he's a big fatty um <clears throat> there is a little part of me that love, would love to fit into clothes just that little bit better but you know that's that's just being honest but now it is about understanding that my mental health is so closely connected to my weight and, and my ability to exercise, move around. And, and that's kind of what I'm more focused on now rather than going, okay, I need to look a certain way. Because I'm I'm 44 and I'm grey and I'm not going to, you know. Only a little bit grey. You're not totally grey. <laughs> my, my, if you my, shaved your sideburns off, you wouldn't be grey. Yeah, but my face looks too long. 
Oh, God. And you wait. See? You just think, I don't care about how I look. Oh, but my face looks too long if I shave my sideburns. And my face looks boring without sideburns on it. There's too much real estate there. Now, now, and coming coming back to the beginning of this as well, I guess the thing we want, I guess the message I want people to have out of this is a few things. Number one is, you know, weight loss, weight gain, appetite changes, they're definitely part of poor mental health. If you know someone that's experiencing that, going back to what we were saying, yes, that person might look fantastic because they've lost weight, but try and have an understanding of what else is happening in their life and recognise that the weight loss could be... If it's happened quickly. Yeah, could be attributed to, you know, that. Um, Get out and, you know, understand that that's a sign. Understand that that's potentially a cue for you to say, how you going, mate? You know? Also, exercise and getting outside, it's huge in terms of mental health, you know? Get out and do it. Like, just get out and do it. I felt... I genuinely felt so much better and I was never that guy. We've had this discussion before mm. and I think I've even said it. I was never that guy but I genuinely felt better. I didn't feel – I didn't get this great buzz that people describe when they exercise. I just didn't feel shit anymore. I stopped feeling tired. I stopped feeling lethargic. Even though I was getting up much earlier to go and exercise and getting a little bit less sleep, I was feeling heaps better. And I was getting to sleep earlier as well because I was, you know, getting into a regular pattern. Now you're talking in past tense here, and you're sort of, sort of saying, you know, this is how I did feel and everything. Yeah, sounds like you're not planning to get back on no, the no, horse. No, I actually am, and that's Good. that leads us to that last point as well about momentum. You know, in the the regime that I was on before, and for people that were following the forty two day wellness stuff that we were doing, um, there was definitely built into that is a cheat cheat meal. Um, some people do a cheat day. The Rock is famous for his cheat days, for example. Um, and this is a man who is strict about his diet and exercise and will be... Um, like, in terms of the... For example, the Fast and the Furious films, where he mm. was bigger, um, he was employing people full-time to monitor his exercise, monitor his diet. He was eating strict meals. Um, you know, no cheats, no nothing, all... You know, just absolutely beast mode. Um but we build a cheat day in because we want you to have something. We want you, 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 it almost, number one, it almost kind of shocks your system into, oh, oh shit, that's right. I've, <laughs> there's bad stuff. I've got to really work hard to get rid of this. But it also just, it gives you that opportunity to have a, a, almost a permission to fall off the wagon. I can have a shitty meal. I can have the hamburger and chips or the pizza or whatever. But the trick is, and this is the key to us now and, and key to me now, is, okay, the momentum has slowed a little bit. You've got to start building it up again. And the only way you do that is by taking that first step. We take the first step, we take the second step. Like after five days of walking, I was I was in. Like I was in because now I've done five days and I can't, I can't waste that. I can't, you know, throw that away. So, you know, the next part of this is, you know, start. Walk a walk a step. Go out your front door. Go for a walk around the block. You know, um, do that first thing, and then do it again tomorrow, and do it again the day after, and do it again the day after that. Start to build the momentum up. If you have a misstep, it's a misstep. Build build one into your regime. Like have have the day where you have a cheat meal. That's fine. But if you have a misstep, you mean if you have a time that you're not 
yep. focusing on it. And yeah, whether that's a, a minute, a, you know, whether that's oh shit, a I, week. you know, like yeah, a week, a month. Yeah. Stop at some point. Be aware of that and go right. Time to get back into building, building, and that's where I'm at at the moment, trying to get that momentum, part of me back into my routine. You know, mm. um, you know, taking the opportunity to walk. What I really have to do is start getting up early and walking again. Mm. Um, and I think the other thing that we really need to make sure that you know, regardless of whether you you've got a few extra kilos on or you've got, you know, you've lost a lot of a few kilos. Your weight is not connected to your self-worth. As much no. as it, it creates, you know, it's in a vicious cycle with your mental health um, poor and poor mental health. It's not connected to who it's you are who you as are. a person. No. So, you know, who the way you treat people, the way you present yourself to others and what you do that's, you know, good good in the community and that sort of thing far outweighs how many numbers are on the the scale yeah people the people that love you and admire you will love you and admire you because you treat them well and you're a good person and you're reliable and fun and all those good characteristics we look for people you know um the people that really love you are not going to care if you got a big belly or Love handles, or they might want a big booty. These days, these yeah. days they do. Everybody have, loves a big booty. I would have been, I would have been it back in the day. You still are for me, baby. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, folks, the first All step. I had back in the day was Sir Mix a lot. <laughs> I loved him. He likes big butts, and he can't lie. He's like the perfect bed. He loves big butts and he can't lie. What more do you want? Exactly. Yeah. Um, So, folks, if you're out there listening, what we want to try and... The point of these conversations are always about um, encouraging people to try something to work on their mental health. Um, Go for a walk tomorrow. Find the thing that it is that you want to do, whether, you know, whatever it is that you want to do to improve your mental health. Start it tomorrow. And physical health. Well, it could be literally anything. I mean, if we're talking about weight loss, yes, exercise. But if we're talking about, you know, just improving your mental health, it could be meditation, mindfulness, art, um, whatever. Go out tomorrow, join, you know, whatever it is. Go out tomorrow and start. Let's just start. It's as simple as that. Like, go and do it. And it's like the I said this to you the other day. It's that quote from the movie We Bought a Zoo. All it takes is twenty seconds of insane courage to do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, all it takes is just that decision to do it, and you're done, and you're doing it. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. Should we leave it there? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, folks. Don't forget uh, you can listen to us on uh, wherever you're listening to us now: Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and all good podcasting apps. Follow the socials, uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram. Search How You Go, Mate, and you will find us. And if you see something you like, share it with your friends and let them know that we're out there. So in the meantime, for myself and the beautiful Barbie Lee. That's me. (laughs) Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. 
Hello, folks. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of our podcast. Uh, before I go, could I please ask uh, just a couple of small favors? Number one, uh, we would very much, as we said at the start, love for you to review this podcast. And of course, please share this podcast. Um, the reviews help us to uh, help other people to see what this podcast is about. And of course, the sharing helps us to get our message out there. We don't have any money, so we're really relying on uh, social media to be able to spread this message. Uh, equally, if you listen to this podcast, now we do a warning at the start, but if you listen to this podcast and anything uh, triggered for you or it made you think about your own mental health or well-being or someone who you loves mental health or well-being, please uh, take steps to help to either manage that yourself or to support someone to manage their mental health. Uh, if you do feel like you are need to talk to somebody, uh, and you can't talk to friends or family, please go and see your GP. Or, of course, you can call Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. Men's Line Australia on 1300 789978. Lifeline on 13 11 14. Or, of course, the Kids Helpline on 1800 551800. If you or someone that you love is in immediate danger, please call triple O. Uh, but at the very least, please um, find a way to manage your mental health and your mental health conditions. And please support the people that you love to manage their mental health and mental health conditions. And again, if something you've heard today triggers for you, please go and seek um, some support uh, immediately to manage your mental health condition, whether that's one of the helplines we just mentioned or the GP. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.